Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Legacy is often referred to here in this part of the world, but what about the legacy of a hundred years ago? They still can't agree on things, and indeed, an event that was due to commemorate the Royal Irish Constabulary and the Dublin Metropolitan Police has been put on the back burner. Now, there's been little support for this event happening in Dublin. Uh, Let me speak to Dr Eamon Phoenix, leading historian. Uh, Eamon, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Eamon, first of all, could you put in context the Royal Irish Constabulary and the Dublin Metropolitan Police? Could you put, could you put, could you describe to the uninitiated where they stand in the checkered history of this island? Yes, indeed. The RIC began in 1836, founded by Chief Secretary for Ireland, a man called Thomas Drummond. They were the first police force on the island of Ireland, from Antrim to Cork. They had a very strong code of conduct. Uh, You couldn't serve in your own county. You had to be a certain height. You had to have no crime in your family. And they became a tradition in Irish life, acquiring the title Royal in 1867, because they suppressed single-handedly the Fenian insurrection of that year, which was the beginning of part of that continuum of Republican uprisings against British rule. They were a mainly uh, Roman Catholic force. About 80% of their members were drawn from the Catholic farmer class. Um, officers were mainly Protestant or Anglo-Irish. And, I mean, they became the Belfast Police Force in the 1860s. Belfast once had its own force. And their sister uh, force was the Dublin Metropolitan Police, a smaller force which really patrolled the, the city of Dublin. Um, now, the RIC, of course, became came the RUC in Northern Ireland after partition in 1922, but they didn't become the Guardi. It was a separate unarmed force. The rule in Ireland, of course, well, they were the village bobbies. They enforced the laws against burglary and poaching making. But they were also, it's fair to say, the eyes and ears of Dublin Castle, of British rule in Ireland. They uh, kept tabs on secret societies, subversion, the Orange Order, the Ancient Order of Hibernians. We've massive files in the archives of Dublin Castle reflecting the information that was fed in to the British government from the RIC. The problem really arose after 1916 because, of course, they played a part with the British Army in suppressing the Easter Rising, but it was particularly with the rise of Sinn Féin 
and the growing demand for an Irish Republic supported by a majority of people in Nationalist Ireland that the RIC found themselves in conflict with the majority of the Irish people, even their fellow countrymen and, and family members. Uh, they were the people who, for example, suppressed Doyle Aaron, elected in 1918 with the Sinn Féin landslide. Um, they were responsible for the mass arrests of the Sinn Féin leadership. People again in De Valera, Michael Collins, arrested by the RIC. And exactly 100 years ago, of course, they were the target of the IRA campaign and the War of Independence. And we have to remember the IRA were the accredited wing of Doyle Aaron, which was set up as a Republican government, really in hiding during these years. So um, they were being targeted in ambushes, uh, in an intelligence war by Michael Collins and the volunteers, and uh, they collapsed, really. I mean, they were living in the community, they were ostracised in, in, in nationalist times, and eventually, of course, they were reinforced in 1920 by the Black and Tans, ex-soldiers from battlefields of Europe, many of whom had been causing problems in British cities as they were demobbed because they, they didn't find homes fit for heroes. They were sent to Ireland, and they had an unsavoury reputation. And this is the problem, that people can identify uh, shootings, killings, murders, atrocities, which in Involved what was nominally the RIC, uh, for example, the assassination of the Lord Mayor of Cork in 1920, the burning of Balbriggan, uh, and of course the McMahon murders in Belfast in 1922, which was carried out by uh, an element of the RIC almost certainly. So in many ways, when the Irish government decided to commemorate the RIC, they had a number of options. They could have gone for an academic conference, an exhibition, a seminar, but they decided to commemorate the RIC as at a state event. Now, state events have been used in the past mainly for remembering the Rising, which was the foundation of the present Republic of Ireland, or uh, remembering the uh, first meeting of Doyle Aaron uh, in January 1919. Other events were left to local libraries, local museums, universities, academics. And in this case, um, Charlie Flanagan, the Minister of Justice and obviously the government is back with the Taoiseach, decided to go for a state event remembering the RIC as an Irish force, which they were until certainly 1920 and that has caused a massive reaction from all political sides in the, in the South, not just Sinn Féin, you have the Mayor of Galway, Fianna Foyle, you have the Mayor of Dunleary, which is a very prosperous borough of Dublin, you have Dublin City Council, you have growing kind of hostility to the idea that, I mean, people are saying, uh, would the French government, uh, in their reconciliation with Germany since the 1940s, uh, remember the Gestapo? Uh, and, and this is the problem. And yet when I was growing up, I knew several RIC families, uh, I knew, I visited one house coming down with the memorabilia. This was a man from Donegal who had joined the RIC, uh, posted with Glens of Antrim, had a long career. They opened a shop in Ballymena, and they spoke about him really as the village Bobby, which he was. Yes, there would have been many, and Charlie Flanagan emphasises this, decent people who were in the Royal Irish Constabulary and many decent people who were in the Dublin Metropolitan Police, and they did work that was of benefit to the community. But there is absolutely no getting away from them having a reserve force called the Black and Tans. And how on earth could any state honour the Black and Tans? 
Well, you see, this became the problem for the Irish government in recent days with the Minister of Justice saying, we're remembering the RIC, the Irishmen. We're not remembering the Black and Tans. But the Black and Tans were part and parcel of the RIC. They were recruited as members of the RIC and they were nicknamed Black and Tans because there weren't enough police uniforms to go round. They were given military cocky trousers and RIC tunics. So they were a mixture. But they were they were calling themselves the regular police. And indeed, they, they were treated with disdain by many many of the regular policemen. Uh, they were often drunk. They carried out reprisal murders uh, over large parts of Ireland. And so the RIC was terribly demoralised. In fact, it found itself caught between the wishes of the mass, the Irish people, who supported the Doyle, the demand for an independent Ireland. And, of course, Lloyd George said, he was the British Prime Minister, that this was a policeman's war. He wanted to play down the fact that we had this growing war of independence. Um, it was just a few um, malcontents, a few terrorists. Um, but, of course, it escalated. The RIC had to abandon their barracks. And the black and towns are being pushed to the forefront more and more. Now, of course, in a divided island, in a divided society, I mean, people like myself involved in committees north and south in negotiating the minefield that the decade of centenaries could have been. I mean, we're remembering the Ulster crisis, Carson and the UVF. We've remembered the 1916 rising, the Great War. And all of this has been done actually very appropriately in Belfast and Dublin over the last few years. I mean, all communities have been engaged. We've used not just lectures, but drama. Um, we've used exhibitions and so on. And certainly, I think, it has, it's been more or less right. But I think the problem is you, arrive, you have an, an organisation which is going to recall the sensitivities on this island around policing. Because, of course, the history of Ireland is such. Because the British government obviously ruled Ireland, there were people who didn't want that from time immemorial. The police were not just the police. It was a paramilitary police force. It was heavily armed. So I think this is the problem. Suddenly a raw nerve has been touched. Um, I, and, you know, it could have been handled differently. The RIC can be remembered, but I think we didn't have to go through this, which has, in the end, there's been a lot of divisiveness as a result of this, as you heard from the news today. And to have it at Dublin Castle, is that, is that the wrong place to have the commemoration? In many ways, I mean, the RIC was associated with Dublin Castle. And in many ways, that threw into high relief this ambivalence in uh, uh, independent Ireland and the independent Irish state of today towards the RIC. You know, they were associated with the castle regime, which during this period, 1916 to 22, was very much a militaristic regime um, and condemned by Asquith, the Liberal, former Liberal Prime Minister, for example, as a militaristic anti-Irish regime. I think the RIC might have been remembered in the Phoenix Park. They trained at the depot there. Every constable in Ireland, from Aha Dewey to Bandon and County Cork, um, was trained at the depot. I knew old people who told me how their fathers trained there. And remember, there were men from the Shankill Road who served in County Cork. There were Irish speakers from County Kerry. You find them in the list of constables in Donegal Pass Barracks. It was a remarkable force. If you read the, 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 the oral history of RIC men, old men in the 1970s, for example, recalling the force, they said politics and religion were never discussed. 
they had their own, if you like, compromises and mutinards. The district inspector was always a Catholic, but the head constable was always a Protestant. They had these little balances to deal with parades and all. And it's a very interesting history, no doubt about it. Many, many hundreds, thousands of decent men, 90,000 men went through the RIC in its kind of 80, 90 year history. And we can't detach. Uh, the problem we have in this island, Frank, and I've said this to you before, is we have a common history. All these events, the Great War, the rising partition shaped us, but we don't have a common memory. One man's RIC, uh, a very upstanding police force defending the population, is another man's the brutal oppressors of Irish nationalism. This is our problem. And it's a problem that continues to rumble on, even though it is a centenary, 100 years uh, since the changes in on the island of Ireland and we're, we're still not able to have a, a commemoration or to mark it as a historical event. It's, it's a commentary on us as, as a nation, isn't it? Well, you see, this is it. I mean, uh, I mean, it could have been. This could have been avoided in many ways. I mean, I suppose uh, had had it been decided to have an event, which would be hosted maybe by universities, Queens, UCD, you know, uh, looking at the RIC with experts there, um, looking at old footage. We have plenty of footage of the RIC at their barracks, old sepia photographs. We have moving shots of them in 1920. But you, it's like everything else in Irish history. You have to look at everything, warts and all. And we're approaching two big events, North and South, which are going to challenge historians, uh, the Community Relations Commission, community groups, museums, in the next few years. In, uh, in North of the border, we have, of course, the birth of Northern Ireland the partition of Ireland, which happens gradually between 1920 and 1922. For unionists, that was perhaps the achievement of civil and religious liberty under the Union Jack. But for nationalists, from the very beginning of partition, this was a blow to Irish nationhood. The murder of Irish nationality, it was described by a nationalist politician at the time. Now, we're going to have to face that. That has been, that has been the key question here, isn't it? The border question in every election down to December of this year. We hear now about border polls. That's going to be a challenge. And I think there are lessons to be learned here. In the south of the Irish Civil War, when everything fell apart after the treaty, um, the Doyle, the IRA, common demand, everything divided on that question of the oath of allegiance to a British king. And it was a brutal civil war, which divided families for generations. Um, atrocities were committed in both sides there. We had brutal violence in Belfast uh, in those two years, 1920 to 22. 500 people died in what Churchill uh, called cannibalism, except the perpetrators didn't devour the flesh of their victims, the Weaver Street killing of children, the McMahon murders, the assassination of a unionist politician in Royal Avenue. We're coming up to all that. So I think as a, an historical community, um, as a community relations uh, experts, as museum curators, uh, and all of that, we have to get this right. We've been very good so far. Certainly in Northern Ireland, we have approached everything. The Rising and the Psalm have been bookended to look at that whole event of 1916. I mean, I've spoken in East Belfast on the Shankill Road about the Rising. Um, I've spoken um, in uh, Nationalist West Belfast about the Covenant. And I think we have to get back to that even keel because, of course, we don't want to be drawn back to the horrors of the Troubles. 
And we're learning that indeed uh, over the last few days that the politicians and councils the length and breadth of Ireland not prepared to recognise the memory at this moment in time of the Royal Irish Constabulary and the Dublin Metropolitan Police and the real, I suppose, fly in the ointment, uh, the association with the black and tans. It's a really interesting element of history, Eamon, and thanks for being so eloquent about it. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 